Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Yeah, guys, got a great episode for you today as I'm joined by John Thompson. And you may know John from shows such as um, Cold Feet and Carnation Street. And uh, over lockdown, actually, he was on The Masked Singer, which was a really interesting um, <laughs> uh, thing to talk about with him. Um, but yeah, he was he was really open to talk about. You could talk to John about anything and everything. Um, he was open to things and I was comfortable enough to talk to him about things my end as well and and ask, I felt like I could ask him anything and that's the kind of guest that you want on a podcast really. He was really open to to talk about anything and um, yeah it was really great. He talks about his career, his um, personal life, how he's been doing over Covid, um, his thoughts on different topics that, that have been going on in the last sort of year or so. Uh, so yeah, just really great talking to John and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Uh, be sure to follow us on um, our social media pages. You can follow us on Twitter at Shapes of Stories. You could follow me on Twitter under at Prest- LPrestige7, sorry. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, under Prestige Books and you can follow us on our, pace- our Facebook pages, um, The Shapes of Stories and my Facebook personal page, um, Lawrence Prestige. But without further ado, here is my chat with John Thompson. Okay, John, so I guess first things first, how you been doing this last, well, year now, COVID? <laughs> COVID um, yeah. Well, to be honest, where, you, where I am now, it, it was was huge foresight on my part because um, I kind of saw how serious it was and had the foresight to build a studio in, in, a, in the coal hole of my basement. Oh, right. So originally there would have been a, a manhole cover here where well, the man tipped the coal in for the fires in the Victorian house. Oh, right. And uh, it's only, it's three and a half foot by seven foot. And I took all the crap out of it, cleaned it up, put insulation on the walls. And this is where I do quite a bit of my voiceover work from home. Ah, oh, nice. So I do police interceptors here every week. So uh, the first lockdown, I was worried about work because I've... um. I just thought, oh my God, what we're going to do? Thankfully, I feel I feel very sorry for people who are live actors, you know, theatre actors and mm. musical musical theatre actors, yeah. who kind of. Thankfully, I've got a few strings to my bow, so I'm all right. You know, I can, I can do a, quite a lot of things, and I don't mind. To be honest, I don't mind retraining. I don't mind if someone says, "Right, this is what you do." I'll go right. I'll try and do the best job I can with it. Yeah, as long as I like it to a point, you know, not something I wouldn't like to do, but. Um, but uh, yeah, so so work-wise, it's been sporadic, but it's been very good. When we went into the tier system, I worked quite a bit before Christmas. I, um, I'll get onto that later. Uh, but mental health-wise, um, I'm fortunate because I can see my kids um, mm-hmm. because I'm divorced. So I get to see my kids whenever I want. And um, I can also see my partner because we're both single parents living alone with children. So that that that's that's fine so um we can i'm I'm quite lucky in that respect uh, i'm not seeing my mum and dad yeah which is a bit of a shame it's i'm good. looking forward to seeing them i've not had my jab yet yeah um, i had mine i like you know i couldn't believe i got off of mine it's purely, purely because um now and again i tutor people with autism and down syndrome um, I, okay yeah, I, I got a um call and just said oh yeah we'd like to offer you the job the jab this saturday um had the oxford one yeah was um was fine the day after i felt yeah. a bit crap it was like okay. It was like the what I can only describe it as feeling like the worst hangover for a day. That's I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, it was. That's how it felt for a day. But by Monday lunchtime, so I had it on a Saturday. Saturday yeah. it was all day fine. Sunday horrific hangover central. By Monday lunchtime, I was sort of rode out. It was fine. Um, but yeah, that was the Oxford one. People have the other one. Don't have anything. Sort of uh, AstraZeneca. Yeah, the and the Pfizer one. Oh, yeah, there's three, isn't there? Pfizer, yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, there we go. So speaking of hangovers, I, I gave up the I gave up the drink. Um, I know, yeah, I know you ago. did, yeah. So 
I went into lockdown. <laughs> you know those shows, Doomsday Preppers, where people hoard cans and kind of are ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. In a way, my sobriety, I was a doomsday prepper because um, when I first stopped drinking, I hated it because I felt, you know, I had terrible FOMO. Um, I felt really down. I just thought, oh, my God, why me and all that? Mm-hmm. Oh, me, why me? Oh, no, I'm cursed and all this. But I've turned that FOMO into JOMO. So I love, if someone said, I'm sorry, the party's cancelled, I go, oh, yes. Um, so... For me, for, for for someone that doesn't drink, I found the this lockdown thing a breeze because yeah. I'm always there's always something to do. Yeah, I'm I'm never bored. I just think boredom. I'm re, someone's said to me that boredom. My definition of boredom is self obsession. I, I thought, oh, it's strong, but it is. It's self indulgence. You know, going mm, mm, bored. <laughs> but the, the resources today, technology and everything. I even had a. I even had a, what's the word? A contingency plan for um, the internet going out. Oh, really? So I, yeah, yeah, I've got vinyl, CDs, books. Yeah. You know, oh, I've got, you know, I'm quite good at art and I'm quite, you know, creative. So I really, and I've got drum kits down in the basement here. So I play drums professionally. So it was, I mean, I feel very blessed that um, I've got this kind of mindset that can cope with these things. But there are there are people who are, who are a lot more fragile. Yeah. I mean, how long have you been sober now that you've not drunk? Fourteen. Fourteen. Fourteen years. years. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I suppose anyone that sort of, I guess, this year had lockdown, it would be cheaper than any kind of therapy or rehab if anyone was kind of going through that, just kind of being stuck at home. There'll be <laughs> some people that uh, <laughs> it, it's an easy, it's a, it's a very easy kind of get out clause. Is alcohol really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and drugs because it's just like well, it it it, it kind of puts a plaster on it, mm-hmm. but that plaster is very hard to take off. Yeah, oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. What I mean, yeah. No, I've been. Yeah, I had a spell of. I had to. I gave up alcohol for a year because it was it was causing too many problems for me with relationships and behavior and just see. I was yeah. I, I was someone that didn't need to drink every day, but when I was out with the lads or whatever, I would just go too much. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah would feel like I had to drink a certain amount to be social and to be accept, you know, and all this to be fun. And yeah, and it just changed like the behavior and I started getting depressed. And I guess it's quite an interesting question. Like someone asked me this the other day, I don't know what you think of it. Does depression cause alcohol or does alcoholism or does alcoholism cause depression? And it's like, it's an interesting both. question. Yeah, it's both, it can be both it's ways. both ways, it? really. Yeah. There's a thing they say is I'm sick of tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, you know, to use a biblical term, one begats another. So yeah. it's kind of, um, yeah, I, 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 the thing is what a lot of people think with alcohol is I remember when you, if you drink on an empty stomach, uh, like quite a bit, yeah. or, you know, or, they call it power drinking, apparently, <laughs> where you really neck it dead quick on an empty stomach. That feeling you get is fantastic and you cannot beat it, but you will never match that initial hit for the rest of the evening and what you're doing is chasing that that initial hit so that first feeling you go oh my god it's almost euphoric isn't it it's yeah. like spiritual you go it's funny it's called spirits isn't it because <laughs> yeah. you miss it it's, it's interesting why they call it that you know so you have that and you kind of oh and then you chase that kind of that initial hit mm-hmm. and you'll never get there mm-hmm. and that's where it all where that's where the wheels fall off later yeah you know, I've heard people say nothing good ever happens after 11 o'clock at night. That kind of, that's what that's about, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you keep going. And my mum used to say to me, uh, quit while you're up. I never got that. But yeah. I do now. I, ne- I never got it. Oh, quit while you're up. But I'd be, that would be quitting very early. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is, is that all, like that kind of, I guess, that dark place with alcoholism, is that always there or does that go away? it does go eventually the compulsion the desire goes and it's a magical thing that when that goes they say like it's like a monkey on your back i mean once it goes but early on it's just the whispers constantly go oh you'll be all right yeah Yeah. it's like people who don't understand it they go you can have one though can't you and you can't you can't you can't it's that same person it's the same voice that when you're on the edge of a cliff just goes oh just jump Fly. Just jump. Well, yeah. that's funny you should say that because I did a bungee in New Zealand. I've done a few actually. And when you get up there, I did the third highest in the world. It's the Nevis bungee out of a cable car. When I got there, 
my mind was messed because my instinct was my, my mind was saying you could die doing this and then but my adrenaline junkie side of me goes come on do it but it could go wrong you know i mean they, they are testing and everything but it's kind of it's a bit of a I met someone who'd done it the day before. A total stranger wing. Yeah, mate, how you doing? You know, and he told me, and it, he, that's what he went through when you were up there. He went, God, it's so weird. There's part of you, and you know, when you, when you see people go, no, we don't want to do it. Yeah, that, that's taken over. So that was a weird experience. But once you've done one, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But that's that's very high. It's 128 meters, I think. Like Blackpool Tower, that. Oh, wow. But it, you, you, your momentum's so fast, it's kind of over. Mm-hmm. You want a shorter one than that? Like the Auckland Bridge is good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I had one mate. He still gets stick for it now. He on a stag dude at Butlins, and then we were <laughs> in a walk with the water slides, and he got right. It was quite a tall. He got, he got right to we all the really that one. Yeah, yeah. And he got yeah. right. He got right to the top, and he bottled it just as it was his go. And he had to turn around, walk past the, everyone. That he just he he said, "I'm not a strong swimmer. I'm just I'm just I can't do it." And he just bottled it right at the top. Really? Yeah. They're not great, those. Yeah. Those sort of high ones. Yeah, but yeah. I've done a few of those. My <laughs> mate describes them as an enema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, and how have... I guess, talk about, I guess, lockdown again. Like, have you had your ups and down moments, though? Like, oh, mental yes. health? Yeah. Of course. No. I'm human. You know, yeah. I'm not superhuman. Um, yes, I have, of course. Um, I think everybody does, really. Oh, yeah. I think the seek One of the secrets to avoid is... It, it, I, I'd say... Um, is is avoid the news? Yeah, is, oh, yeah. Is, a lot no, of people just get say a snippet. That. You get. I I in the morning. I've got a kind of alert. BBC News. It says your coronavirus briefing, and I just read that, mm-hmm. and it just kind of. I don't go scrolling through or rolling news or. Mm-hmm. It, and also, the thing about news is you don't really need to read a paper because if anything major happens, word of mouth spreads it. Yeah, you. You know what I mean. I've not read a I've not read a newspaper for years. Although, but because I had a rotten time with the tabloids, that's probably why I don't I don't just don't read one at all. I used to read the Week, which was great, which was great because it was a very kind of middle class approach to the news, and it was a it was a, a sort. Have you seen it? The magazine, the Week. No, no, I've not seen it. It's I've a summary of all the newspapers. Yeah. It's all the best bits from the news put okay. into a magazine, and it comes out on Friday. And I used to get that, and it's a great magazine, but the I stopped it. Because it was all pandemic, and because that's you know, but obviously there's bits and pieces. But I just said they said, oh, will you renew? They rang me and said, will you renew your subscription? I went, yeah. When this is over, yeah, I will. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't want to read about. It. I just don't want to read about it. it I know is. there are people that just eh, not for me. No. I, I, I know. I know what it's about. I mean, there are important things we need to glean from the news. Uh, I'm not one of these people that sit and wait, watch Boris. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't do it. Yeah. I don't sit and slide, please. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, get the, I just get, don't. Get, get the charts up, <laughs> get the graphs I up. don't do it. I just, yeah. then, and what I do is I read all you need to know about Boris's last speech on, on the internet, really. Mm-hmm. That's the, rather than watch that, I, I just, it's a lot easier. Yeah. The key, then you, then you can separate the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. You get all the key, you get all the important stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there was a point last year where I realised that with the news, I was like, I have to stop watching it because there was a point where you put Sky News on, you watch it up half an hour, like, I'll say, you talk about COVID, the cases, the deaths we've had today. Okay, now, now let's go on to Brexit and all that, things things ongoing there, and it's like, okay, now an update from Donald Trump, what's he saying now, and all this, and then you had the the understandable anger with the George, death of George Floyd and the protests in there and everything, and yeah, I mean. That was all happening at the same time. And I remember all the same yeah, time. Yeah, like half an hour into watching all that on the news, I was just like, I feel shit. I feel shit. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you can't, I can't watch that anymore. Well, things are things things are taking a turn. Trump's gone, so's Piers Morgan. Yeah, so go. come on. <laughs> yeah. That's t- t- you know. Yeah. I mean what's not what that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of the whole Piers Morgan thing? I it's one of these things. Did he he that man yeah. uh, under the stewardship of the mirror tried to destroy my career? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when I got the disclosure of what the mirror had actually done in court, uh, not only did they f- hack my phone, I had two private detectives following me uh, as well, uh, following my every move and just being scrutinised, uh, you know, it was just... But that was when he was editor. Yeah. So 
you know, when they, they asked me to go on, <laughs> I can go on any day of the week now. <laughs> um, I could only, I would only go on on a Friday when he wasn't there. Because I, I don't want to be in the same room as him, really. I needed up at some do when he was there. And I had to shake his hand. And I just, I just thought, well, I, you know, be civil and do it, you know. But in the old days, I would have probably asked him for a duel on the common. <laughs> um, I just, I have no love for Piers Morgan because he, he, he under the, his stewardship, the mirror tried to destroy my career and life. And, I, I, it, you know, that's unforgivable, really. Yeah. So, I mean, but there is a theory that Fox News is coming to the UK. Oh, is there? So yeah, he'd be and, yeah, yeah. the guy for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all like, it's all kind of a stunt, you know. Mm-hmm. He's already, he thought, mm, right, let's, let's, uh, no, off, and off he went, you know. Good good on that weatherman, though, for, <laughs> yeah, but he, for pulling him up. He flip-flops, doesn't he? Like, in terms of, like, even even Trump, he was pro-Trump, then he was against Trump, and then, yeah. you know, the Meghan Markle, he was pro, he, he kind of, was friendly with Meghan Markle, and then she didn't want anything to do with him anymore, and now he's you know, her biggest critic. That's the thing, though. That's yeah. the basis of this. It's ego. Mm-hmm. And you really have to, one thing you have to do these days is watch your ego, especially in my profession. I mean, mm-hmm. people's egos are out of control, and, and, and I think his ego is hurt, the Meghan Markle thing. And if you look at, you know, if you, if you read between the lines, that's what this is about. Oh, yeah. It's about the fact she's she's brushed it she's she's brushed him off. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, what did you think you can't of that? Criti- you can't criticize someone's mental health. You can't just make oh, yeah. mm-hmm. instant judgment about suicide. Right. How does he know? He doesn't. You can't. Yeah. In this day and age, in the cancelling, I don't. <clears throat> I like Instagram because it's pictures, no opinions. Okay. I don't care if you don't like me cooking. <laughs> <laughs> But I do other stuff. Now, I know that the people want to see me, and I do occasionally rock up, but because of the, my, the, ex, because of the intrusion in my private life from the, the newspapers, particularly the gutter press, I am quite private. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 like, I'm not one of these persons that feels they need to do a self, daily selfie or a, a video, you know, for the feedback, you know, for the, what's the word, uh, validation. Yeah. I don't feel I need to be validated. Because I have people around me who, who love me and care for me. Anyway, I, I don't feel that I need the validation of strangers mm-hmm. daily. So, you know, because I've I'm, over over the years I've tried to kind of create a um, a half decent bloke. Uh, you know, who doesn't need that isn't that needy, and it worries me. It worries me. Social media, that the, the, the neediness of it, and the way that people are growing up with it. That the, the thing. Oh, I've not got many likes. Mm-hmm. today i'm a bit i'm not feeling a bit down and these are people you don't know yeah you know these are people i mean it, that, that, it does worry me it does worry me and, and i think it's a massive yeah. it's a big problem for mental health particularly mm-hmm. in the teens the formative years Absolutely. you know I, I, I feel for them so badly you know yeah especially when you see um <clears throat> like that love island program i mean i, I didn't, didn't watch it but you get people that kind of inspire i suppose to go on those shows and you mean you see a couple of the people that come out of love island that have took their own lives they were contestants yes, that's the, true the, the, you know because the, they were they kind of come out of love island and they have all they're mega famous because it's such a huge show they come out and they're right. being invited to all these things you know and then after the year when the next love island series comes out they're relevant now dropped yeah yeah dropped. It, it's it's a cruel mistress really mm-hmm. is, is 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 the world of reality you've got to try and the problem is, though, anyone can be a reality TV star. And at the end of the day, I think the Kardashians are partly to blame is you need a skill, a skill set, something you've got to realize that celebrity comes from to be celebrated for yeah. being a singer or an actor or a juggler or a magician or, you know, you celebrate, you're a celebrated ballerina, opera singer. It, 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 you're not celebrated for lying around in a bikini saying, I got a text. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, uh, yeah, it's like uh, people want to be famous rather than talented. Yeah, fame yeah. over talent. It's, yeah. it's a killer, isn't it? It's a real killer. And it's just like, well, it's been proved it can be done. But like you said, it's very short-lived. And can your ego cope with that? Can you be prepared? But if you've got a skill set, you can continue your journey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny, like, because people have tried... Like Katie Price did singing, didn't she? And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
But people say Katie Price, brilliant businesswoman. I think she had a good team around her, you know, but mm-hmm. it's that's all gone, you know. I think, but give her, give her a due. She did have a go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a series of children's books out that she hasn't written, but she's got them out. <laughs> yes, I found out about publishing a while ago. It was quite a shock to me how it works and ghostwriting. Oh, yeah. I said, I won't name names, but I went, how much input <laughs> does that reality TV star have into the the plot? And the, the, they went, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I went, nothing. Yeah. None. They're not allowed because their ideas are so... I did hear about someone who, uh, who was very famous who, who did one of those ghost-written books, and they, they said, the, the, the ghostwriter asked them, did you enjoy it? And she said, no, I've not read it. And then, then the, the thing says, she's not really a very good reader. <laughs> not actually. It's wow. not like she doesn't like reading. She can't, can't really read. Probably. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And I, I, I didn't realise that, you know, when you walk into a bookshop and there's the front table, mm-hmm. that's a premium to go on that. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the chart you pay for the position on that. Oh yeah, the publishers pay. You know for you. that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah you the pay for yourself. Pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is a shame because I'm quite naive. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I was really gut. I was really gutted. Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I will mention the name just because he's publicly come out and spoke about it. But obviously, Chris Foy has his um, children's books series out, and he was in a he was in a conference once, and they sort of asked him about the books. He goes, "Oh yeah, I, I don't write them." <laughs> he's got his name to these books and. Oh. But he's like, no, I don't write them. But you know, they're popular. Kids buy them, and it's just a shame that the people that are the ghost writers and talented writers are they about little bicycles? I don't know. I haven't read them. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not. No, I, don't, I'm I, not. I imagine so. Like, I guess that would be the. I would imagine the, the thematic. You know, yeah, the yeah. theme is you know, like not nuclear efficient super power bike or something. But uh, yeah. yeah. You mean, but then you, you do get the ones like David Williams. I know he writes his, and um, yeah, good on Dave. And David Bedell as well. He writes his. Yeah. Yeah. Both smashing it. It's great, isn't yeah. it? It's just joyous to hear uh, when, you know, or when someone's like, as a talent, you don't. I like it when on Graham Norton, when they go, ah, you've got a secret talent, you know, and they, oh, yeah. and they come and they go. And it's actually something really like unicycling or. Yeah. It's like I started watching a show last night that Simon Day tipped me off about called Baskets. And it's an old show, 2006. And it's Zach Gaffelnakis. And it's about him wanting to be a clown. And it was Tom, Big Tom from, um, what's his name? Tom with a beard. He's in uh, King Gary. Oh, I'm trying to think now. Yeah, yeah. But I know who you mean. Tom Davies? Yeah, Tom. No, no, Tom. not Tom Davies. Um, Hang on. You can edit this, can't you? Paul oh, Tom. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot your name. Yeah. Hang on. Who is the leading King Gary? Tom Davis. T- it's Tom Davis. Davis. Oh, yeah. You're okay. right, mate. So Tom tipped Simon off. Simon tipped me off. But Simon being Simon, he went, you need to watch this thing called Buckets. Could I find a thing called Buckets? or something with Miriam Margoyles, <clears throat> who I find deeply offensive. So I thought, I'm not watching that. And I went, Simon, I can't find it. I went, sorry, mate, it's called Baskets. <laughs> I went, oh. So I started watching it last night. It's great. Yeah. It's great. It's a lot of pathos in it. But suddenly out of the blue, he plays this clown that's not really, he really wants to be a proper clown and he's, and he's struggling. Out of the blue, God, can Zach Gaffelnakis rollerblade? Oh my God, what an amazing rollerblader. Nice. I love that. It just like comes out of the blue that they can do that. But one of the things all along with me was I knew acting was very precarious. And one thing I don't like is when actors go back to their old drama schools and go, why are you here? Why this career? Why? You're mad. You're mad. You're all mad. And it's like, don't say that. Don't say that. So if I ever go to any, I go, listen, you need a good skill set. And that's what I've fallen back on in the lockdown. So I'm, I do impressions, I do stand-up, I write, I play drums professionally, I DJ, uh, I do a bit of magic. I mean, I, I kind of like, these are things I've like learned over the years. And, and they're all things, some aren't comp- completely honed, like DJ, and I just took to it like I took to water. But the technology now makes the job a lot easier, you know? Yeah. Um. And I've had successes. I've had, but it's DJing to be like comedian, being a comedian. You know, you can die. Mm-hmm. Your set list, shit. You see, you've got to sit down, and protest on your own. It's, it's no one's really kind of covered dying as a DJ, where just people just go, "No, I'm not listening to this." Yeah. Oh, oh wow. 
you realize tunes don't work like they're too slow like imagination uh that's that slow could it be that it's just an it's just an illusion it's too slow but you have to whack the tempo up on that yeah so i had to learn things like that you're just going blind and <laughs> i mean with, with stand-up i suppose is there have been moments when you where you have you know died on on stage because it's just yeah. yeah i mean what you've got to die to get good that's yeah. the simple everyone will tell you that you have to you, you've got to but it's very painful i mean i can imagine yeah i quit because i'd done my i'd served more than my apprenticeship in it and i just i was doing a lot more acting at the time then the acting dried up a bit and i thought well i better go back and i went back and i did two gigs funnily enough i grew up in preston i didn't grow up in manchester i was born in salford but i, I was adopted and, and i grew up in uh, in a little village just outside Preston. And I never go back there to Preston, you know, because my, my mum and dad live in Chorley, but um, I, I don't go into town because I don't drink, probably. I, don't, I wouldn't go back into Preston yeah. because there's a free fight with every pint anyway. <laughs> so, um, so I did two gigs in Preston. Around 2016 was when I went back. 2015, 2016. Hang on, was it? Yeah. And they were hellish. Really bad. I was walked to my car at one one because the, the the audience was so potentially violent. Wow. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was really really scary. And the other one, the, a fight broke out in the in the snooker room. Cubes and you know it's the Wild West. Yeah. I went, oh no, I'm not doing this. And it was in a golf club that, and I thought they were aspirational. <laughs> so um, yeah, a couple of Preston gigs just just terrified me. Anyway, I kind of I do do it a little bit now. I either do corporate, uh, which is mercenary, or I do charity free. That's it. Not the dog and duck for 50 quid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. Has there been, I mean, have you ever had to deal with hecklers and stuff like that? I mean, how do you deal with that? I'll tell you the worst death I ever had was in front of 40,000 people at the old Manchester United football ground. Mm -hmm. At Euro 96 with Frank Sybottom. Right. Now, me and Frank were on stage, and he's very clever, Frank. Well, Chris was very funny because if he knew he was dying, he'd put a dust coat on and get a broom and just sweep the stage, <laughs> not do any flaming material. And I, I was doing Bernard Wright on. And for those of you who don't know, it's the politically correct Bernard Manning. So my opening gambit... Oh... I seem to remember Madness were waiting in the wings and the stage manager, the floor manager was wait, holding them and he was like that. And I came on as Bernard Wright and they went, ladies and gentlemen, Bernard Wright, or not much of a response when I came on. My opening joke is there's a black fella, a Pakistani and a Jew in a nightclub having a drink. What a fine example of an integrated community, ladies and gentlemen. So I flip all the old sexist jokes and racist jokes to PC. Yeah. So I got that. I got on stage. And I knew Madness were due on next. I get on, and there's a crowd there, and I went, "Ladies and gentlemen, there's a black fella, Pakistani and a Jew in a nightclub having a drink. What a fine example of an integrated community!" And the crowd went absolutely mental. And I thought, "My God, this is what it's like to be Jacko or Elvis." Yeah. And Madness had rushed the stage, hadn't even introduced them, and it's them coming on that got that tumultuous response, not my joke. And I looked over my shoulder, and I went. Oh, Okay. And I went, give me an M. Hey, give me an A. Give me an A. And then spelt madness and then walked off and went, oh. But I did get a laugh. I thought, they've got to, I can't do this, you know, massive stadium gig without getting a laugh. So M people were on later. And I came on as Bernard. It's hard when you're in character as well because you yeah, can't really, yeah. you know, you're, not, you're quite limited to what you can say. It's a lot easier just to be John Thompson, you know. And I said, it's not often as Bernard that two bands get together and merge to create a new band. I'm talking, of course, about Boney M and the Village People. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Boney Village. And M People came on, and it did get a massive laugh. So that was the saving grace of the most meteoric death in front of so many people that I did leave with a laugh. Yeah. And who were your sort of stand-up, I guess, inspirations, like comedy heroes? To be honest, the the the, the people that inspired me were were old school uh comics that kind of 
like Coop, Tommy Cooper's timing oh, and, Matt, and, and, Eric, and Eric Eric Morecambe's timing, I kind of looked, I kind of studied that and thought, well, I want to be that good, really, timing-wise. I've always used that kind of Eric's timing for sitcoms. When I do them, they're always very kind of, it's very nice to kind of, to it, the thing about timing is it's an inner, it's an inner clock. It's like being able to play drums or, 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 uh, or dance. You know, you can eat a car or, or sing. Some people don't have timing. Um, some actors can't do comedy, which is very weird. For someone who can, it's very, very strange to come across uh, an actor that can't, can't do, the, do the funnies, you know. Um, who else inspires? Uh, more recently, I, I saw Mickey Flanagan at uh, Stockport Plaza, which is a quite a big big venue it's an old yeah. cinema theater in stockport and mickey was on he was doing work in progress for his tour and it was completely sold out and that that he did nearly two hours solid and it blew me away and as to cockney you know we're like up north we're a bit, oh, them london is a <laughs> yeah it was joyous i just it's that man i just complete command of the whole place i just loved it it's a bit blue but you know mm-hmm. when he's got he's got a lovely charm about him mickey and i i, I, felt, I felt that um that was it. But straight stand-up, it kind of... I just kind of get a bit bored with it, really. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be really... One show that has always kind of been very hit and miss uh, is um, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many people have, like, made such amazing careers from, from it, yeah. On that show, it's like... Tom Hanks mm-hmm. is from Saturday Night Live. It's, like, amazing, isn't it? But the show itself, the script editor whoever they are it's really you get probably like three out of ten hits of i don't know whether i think the americans might might be a bit easier to please <laughs> yeah than an actual than a british comedian watching it yeah i remember talking to marcus brigstock about it. he went yeah i still watch it though john i went oh so many he went yeah but it's worth it for them hits mm-hmm. but um Sometimes it depends on the guests they have on. Do you know when they have like yeah. Wayne Gretzky hockey player? You're like, yeah. oh no, <laughs> you can only fail. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean, Tommy Cooper is timeless, isn't he? Like, I mean, I love him. Yeah, I mean that he was. I remember being little and my dad watching Tommy Cooper, and my dad's not a big laugher. But then with him just watching Tommy Cooper, just being in hysterics, and I'd be like, "Who's this guy? Who's Tommy Cooper?" And just ever since then, like, even now I can watch and know what's coming. But it's just he just he he could just say anything and people would laugh, wouldn't they? Yeah, he did a whole. St- he used to do a whole thing where he wouldn't even be on stage. Yeah. Where he go? He was stuck in the dressing room. Oh yeah, with a mic going. I can't. I can't get out. I'm stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck in here. The, the door. I can't find a door handle. And it would just be like off stage. Yeah, yeah I would have loved. I never met him. No, I never met him. Never met Eric. Um, uh, I met Eric's son recently. I did a. Uh, I met. Um, uh, Gary Morecambe, who's absolutely lovely. I did a show about um, old Morecambe-wise clips with Lenny Henry, Michael Grade, and, and Gary, and went and got on like a house on fire. And I've always been a huge fan uh, of Eric's uh, and Tommy. Uh, they, they're like two. But I like uh, old British comedy as well, like Carry On, you know. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. It's not really that... You know, in this PC day and age, it's not really that bad, you know. Yeah, to well, that's be the thing. Things are getting cancelled now, aren't they? I saw like, uh, what was it? I mean, I mean, Little Britain can be a bit in your face, but they've completely took it off Netflix. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You should have removed the offending. Yeah, should, yeah, rather, yeah, rather that's, than that's like book burning. You can't yeah. burn them all. Yeah, you've got to say it's like in the fast show. We're very lucky, and Paul and Charlie. Charlie said we, we were very we were very careful not to make sure. Or that the show would be timeless. You know, there wasn't anything too kind of popular culture referential at the time. So the characters worked and they still do. Oh, hello. Hello. And, um, (laughs) and, um, so those characters kind of stand the test of time. Um, or, you know, I can't think of it. That was the clever part of the show. And we didn't do any kind of, uh, old school, you know, blacking up or, or or any of that stuff. You know, um, it's but like I said, when that was that, I thought, oh my god, what did we do? Did we do anything? But we when we wanted a black character, we used a black actor. 
it's fairly obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? We used Colin McFarlane, and uh, it was, and so I think we used, um, I think De- um, Felix a couple of times. Felix Dexter, bless him. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a I don't know why, but it was like kind of a no brainer to kind of do just to to just use the actual ethnic. I mean, going back now. 90 odd, 92, three, something like that. Yeah. We, 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 we just went, well, we, we need a black man in this sketch. We use a black man, you know? Yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem, we didn't even think about doing any stuff like that because we knew then. But now I just feel, uh, I don't know. It's just like, if you talk about the empowerment of women, why can't you have a gingerbread woman? Mm. Right. So why not have a woman gingerbread man? Then there's that that shows the existence of the woman. So the woman is there. There's the gingerbread woman and there's the gingerbread man. That's equality, Mm -hmm. right? Gingerbread person. Mm. Yeah. I just feel, well, that's ignoring both. That's not equal. That's just kind of who comes up with or who sits around? Who is this committee that creates this, you know, well, have you seen the thing like about the, um, the chalkboard? The chalkboard. Its color is it's black, isn't it? It's a black board. It's not. Yeah. You know what? I don't. I. I think if you ask any person, Afro-Caribbean person, we are you offended by their blackboard? I don't. I think they're asking the wrong people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, you, have you seen that thing about the potato heads? So they're taking the. Um, yeah, it's not Mister. Yeah, so they're just now it's just Potato Head, I think. So you can't have Mister. Well, you can always put Mrs. on Mister because yeah, well, it was just had the holes in it. Yeah, in Toy Story they had Mister and Mrs. Potato Head, for, you know. For yeah, but that's watching. that's that's made their marriage null and void. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, who are they to say? I know. Who are they to split that lovely couple who clearly love each other yeah. up? Exactly. I, I I despair. You know. Yeah. God, I mean, it's you bad. know, thank God. Oh, who's next, Ken and Barbie? Yeah, mm. I know. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. Um, Mr. Men. Yeah, it does worry me. PC gone mad. I do. I do worry. What kind of future we've got? What my what future my kids are, have got? The kinds to be in. There seems to just be a kind of. All right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's kind of like you know. You just that's the thing about today, is keep your opinions to yourself if you want an easy life. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to go on Twitter quite regularly, but I wouldn't really have an opinion. But there's a there's it, someone's called describes Twitter as shouting into the abyss. Mm-hmm. I, I found there's a lot of anger on there, and there's even if you put something nice on, someone will make a horrible comment. Mm-hmm. You know, just for the hell of it. Whereas seems Instagram seems to be a bit more. There's a lot more love on Instagram. So what I do tend to do is I will cut and paste what I've done on Instagram repost the photo and put it on that's what i do because otherwise you'll just get a link to instagram people can't be bothered with that you need it's so funny how lazy people aren't you so you put a picture on instagram and then you if you put if you put the slider on twitter it doesn't put the photo up it just puts the link to the photo and takes them back to instagram now they might not have instagram there is that Mm -hmm. so what i've had learned to do is cut and paste the, the the dialogue on instagram and put that on with the picture in twitter and then so the difference between a non-picture on Twitter and a picture is is quite remarkable. But what I don't tend to do is just have an opinion. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Much, yeah. There is no. You get hammered. You do get hammered. You can't. You can't. I think the only thing I've, I had an opinion about recently was Blue Monday, and I went stop. I didn't even know it was was Blue Monday, and I went in the current pandemic with people struggling with mental health problems. Why alert us to this? It was on the radio. It was all oh, it's Blue Monday. Anyway, I found out subsequently it was a completely fictitious thing created by the travel industry to make people book the holidays. Mad. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Once you do your research. But I thought, I said, just stop. I said, listen, people, people are blue enough mm-hmm. with, with the current circumstances. Don't be flagging up Blue Monday. Well, my, I couldn't even book a holiday anyway. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're still doing it. Yeah. Oh. I know. I mean, so annoying. a couple of years ago, I got, I got, I wrote an article about Ant McPartland. You know, I was standing yeah. up, stand, standing up for him because he was, you know, he got involved in the drink driving case. And but yeah. then there are people calling for his head. And I said, you know, he needs to be dealt with like everyone else would be. 
you know, you know, banned from driving, have a fine like we all would be. But people... I've been done. Yeah, I, I got yeah. I got made an exhibition of. I I was put on. I was a bong on news at ten. Yeah, but there are people. Like, even... Oh, you know, I, that was horrifying yeah, to me. Yeah, and people calling for his head said he should never be on TV again. I was just saying, look, we can't. You know, he's he, he's probably got some problems. He's 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 come out and said he's got some problem prescription prescription drugs and alcohol yeah. and his marriage is sort of breaking up and I was yeah. sort of saying you know he needs to deal with this and come back and you know appropriately but I got absolutely hammered for that people say no you're sympathizing with someone that's 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 could have killed someone um you you know you, you um you know he should never be able to come back on tv you know ITV should be ashamed if they let him back on tv and I was just like like it's just like we always want to like hang, bring back celebrity hangings or something. It's, it's awful. terrible. You know what? The thing is, what people don't understand is addiction is a disease, right? And it's it's recognised by the World Health Organization and and, and, the, and the medical bodies that yeah. you cannot help. It's a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. You can't help being addicted to drugs and drink. You can't help it, right? So whatever mayhem you caused in your path while you've got the problem is is unfortunate. But, you know, some people get over it, some people don't. And the thing is, people have to understand that, that at the time, your, your, your life is, is, is out of control. And you don't, not, it's like, I, 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 it's funny when people say, some of my best friends are, are drug addicts and alcoholics, but they've, they've recovered, you know. Yeah. And it, it's very cruel to just say, you know, people just think, oh, junkie, skid row, oh, tramp, you know, dirty, filthy. Not true. Yeah. It's not true, you know. And, and to be honest, this country is probably one of, if you've got a drink problem, it's one of the worst to be in, you know. The Americans were looking at, um, the Americans actually commented on, on the British desire for the pubs to open, you know. It seemed to be that, seemed to be the, the number one thing that everyone wanted, you know. And I appreciate the social of it, because, I mean, but I thought work would be, you know, people would want to work because I appreciate people's social lives revolve at work. You know, they're, 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 you take, people take it for granted that, you know, I, I have a funny career because I, I make all these friends and then I'm suddenly like bereaved and I don't, I don't see them again for ages or, or ever again. You know, it's kind of like I don't form strong bonds that last forever like it's people at work do. And some of their best mates at work, and I, I appreciate that. I did love your um your daughter's reactions to you as the masked singer. I saw the reaction video. Oh yeah, I mean, what was that whole experience like keeping that? Uh... Oh, it was so mad. <laughs> Honestly, I I, asked, I got asked to do it the first year round, and I was doing cold feet at the time, and they wouldn't release me, so I couldn't do it. The only difference being, you get to choose, you get to choose your costume if you do the first ever one. I said I wanted to because I like monkeys. I wanted to be a monkey. Yeah. Anyway, they showed me three costumes for the second series, and. Uh, uh, the bush baby was the one that appealed to me because it was the nearest and marsupial was kind of nearest to the, yeah, yeah. to the monkey family. So I kind of went for it. And it had a great appeal. It was a big stick with a cute factor. So I got approached and I went, yeah, I'll do it. And I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for. And um, I've always been able to sing. I started in musical theatre at school. So I went to a Catholic school and I did Joseph and Joseph of Amazing Technical Dream Cow and Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar. And then I did amateur dramatics and I did uh, a few musicals where I was kind of background for the, it was called Preston Musical Comedy. And I did a bit with them. And then, uh, then there was a breakaway faction that was called Act One. And that was a younger people. We did Grease. And my best thing I did was Blood Brothers. I had to play Mickey in that. And that was just before I went to do theatre studies at A-level. And it was then, it was that production that kind of made me go, right, yes, this is what I want to do. So I was 17. I went, right, yeah, I, I, I've had a great response for this. This is, this is, a, this is definitely... At that age, 17, you're really not entirely sure whether, you know, I wasn't really sure, am I doing the right thing? And then I knew. So I'd always been able to sing, but I kind of kept it under wraps. I did a bit of Fame Academy back in the 2001. Fame Academy, oh, that brings me back, yeah, wow. Yeah. But it was for Comic Relief. Yeah. So I did that, and that, I did okay on that. Um, I thought I took it a bit too serious. I should have messed about a bit more. <laughs> and then this... But it was such a learning curve, this, because when you're in that costume, more is definitely more. Because I, I'm thank God I asked to see some playback. Because what you when you think you're doing a, a lot, <laughs> you've got to do massive. When you see Disney people, oh, yeah. and all the, it's got to be huge. So it's a, it was really interesting as a technique, as an actor, 
to do they call it skin work in, in the theater you know yeah, yeah. Uh, to do skin work and uh, it was amazing but the heat so the more i moved the better the the, the better the performance but the heat because it was foam latex so got to remember i'm covered in fur anyway <laughs> foam latex body that made the shape but which was covered in fur and then a baby grow on top and then the studio lights oh, i remember but what you don't know is that the rehearsals you do it all in costume no one knows who you are mm -hmm. so you walk around you've got a hoodie on like this and a, and a mask and a, a, like a welder's mask that's blacked out black gloves no one knows who you are and there's a t-shirt that says don't speak to me on it so if you see don't speak to me in the in the corridors, you see their entourage agents or the actual turn. So I didn't know who anybody was. Only I could only go. I I, I watched the show just like a punter would and guess. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It was a great. It's a great lockdown show, you know. Oh yeah, it it's was great. a brilliant. It seemed it was a bit. It stumbled a bit when it came out mm. because it's a Korean show originally. And uh, I remember when it came out, people went, "Oh, what's this? You know, <laughs> what is this?" And it did. It, it was a, and it kind of it was a grower. So I was glad to go to its second series, where it had been established. But because we're all stuck in, we'll watch anything really. It's Saturday night. It's kind of classic telly night, and it was great. It was a great family show. Uh, so uh, the only people that knew were my partner and my uh, my ex-wife. That was it. They were the only people that knew my agent, and um, I kept it under wraps. I kept. Uh, I'd said that I was doing Dictionary Corner on Countdown, which I've done. Only just recently, but I knew that was. They were always asking me if I'd do it. That was the normal count, not eight out of ten count. Yeah, uh, which is out at Easter actually. The, my, my one, and it's quite funny. Some of the things that happen. Okay, it's, it's, yeah, it's fun. I did enjoy it very much. I enjoyed actually playing it. It was a really nice afternoon just playing countdown, but <laughs> in the studio. So, uh, I. Uh, so where was I? I've, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, that was my subterfuge, Countdown Dictionary mm -hmm. Corner, which is on, but, but if my kids had done their research, it's only in Manchester, it's only at um, Media City up the road, not down in London. They were going, what are you doing? What are you, where are you going? I went, I'm doing Countdown. And they go, all right. And they didn't question it. And I also said, I do an animated series called Scream Street, which is in London. So I said it was a kind of mixture of those two. I was going, so I got, I got all the way to the fifth. I almost came fifth on it, you know, there were, um, but I didn't. I don't have a clue about some of them. Yeah. I could tell Lenny straight away. I could recognise his voice when he sang like yeah. Henry. Mm -hmm. That was a give. That was the giveaway. So I didn't realise that also not only do you have to disguise your voice. So I did like an Aussie character, kind of enthusiastic Aussie. Yeah. Which got criticised, and I thought, well, let's hear yours. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really like. You know, I thought it was pretty on point. To be honest, mm -hmm. I kind of pride myself in my accent. So. Yeah. Here it wasn't really right. It's like McDonald and Dodds I did on Sunday night. They're going back to Twitter again. Yeah. Everyone went brilliant accent, fab accent. Oh, it's great to see you do a different accent. Great. And one bloke went, shit, West Country accent. So I thought <laughs> it's just, the only yeah. one that said, you yeah. know, and I know people from Bristol who talk, you know, so I kinda got an idea. Yeah. Oh, anyway. It's always that one comment, isn't it? It's always like Everyone's it's just that one yeah. comment. You can re you, the half dozen really good ones you get, you're like, no, nah. yeah. but it's the one comment. Well, you know what I do? I like, 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 heart, 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 heart. <laughs> no heart for you, man. Yeah. No. no like, no heart. No heart, no <laughs> likey, no hearty. Yeah. Would you, any of, the, any of the other sort of reality shows ever appeal to you to do or not really? Uh, well, I am a very, I'm obsessed with food mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a very good cook. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing that I don't, have a, I don't like really to eat. And I just love, I like getting these restaurant boxes and cooking their food. I love that. But I didn't have a great experience on MasterChef and that put me off for life. Right. So it, it, the, the heartbreaking thing about it was, it was something I could do very well, but went out first in my group. And I just, it killed me. It broke me. It really, really depressed me. And I, uh, I didn't pick up a pan for three months. And do you know what got me back on my feet? Getting divorced and Hello Fresh. They Hello Fresh is great. Yeah. They came to the door and they went, I just got divorced and I just moved into this house. And, and they went, uh, Yeah, and what is it? And they went, It's mailboxes. I went, Oh, do you do them for one? And they went, No. So I thought, Right, I'm back, get myself a girlfriend. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, that was it. And I kind of like honed my cooking every week after week after week after week after week. To be honest, I'm a much better cook though than I was when I went into MasterChef anyway. And uh, knife skills and, 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 you know, I can cook rice perfectly now. The secret is to, so you double the amount of liquid to the rice. You, you boil and then reduce for 10 minutes and then take it off the heat and steam for 10 and then fluff it with a fork. Anyone listening, that's how you make your perfect yeah. rice. Well, it varies from rice to rice. You've got to be careful. Check your rice tight. <laughs> well, if you ever decided to do the jungle, I'm a celebrity, you'd be great at the rice and beans then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I would. Now, the thing about that is uh, people say, oh, you'd be great in the jungle. A lot of punters think that. But the t- f- to be honest, I know myself very well. I know what my, my strengths and weaknesses are. And, I mean, if he does go back to Australia, I know I hate heat. Mm-hmm. Look at the bush baby. I was dying. Uh, I hate. I can't cope with the heat. I'm very good in the cold. So in, when I did 71 degrees north, the, the, that's the only the only reality shows I've done. Are 71 degrees north, Master Chef, and the Masked Singer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the hard thing is a, as a as a decent actor who, who who would rather do acting is these shows that you don't really want to do, but you're on your ass. Pay far much better. Yeah. They are vastly more lucrative, and you are stuck with the worst moral dilemma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, where they go, what about dancing on ice? And I think, oh no, strictly, I go, I don't really have a passion for dancing. And it's very, very hard when you're not working to go. Oh, do I do it for the money? And you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I had a tax bill that I really couldn't pay, and I got a study splash that high dive show. You know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You remember it where you went up the high dive board and went in mm-hmm. and I'd been training really hard. I was in the best shape I'd ever been. I'd done a thing called P90X for three months and even had a six pack. And uh, I, I just couldn't do that show and it would have paid my tax and some mm-hmm. so it's a borrow, but it was just one of those things. It's not for me. I shouldn't, my agent went, I don't think you should do it. Yeah. I mean, my agent does say we recommend a pass on certain things. So that's the problem a lot of actors have these days uh, is one maintaining your profile, but but through quality work, <laughs> that's very hard yeah. because there's such an appetite in in this country, particularly for reality TV. I mean, if you see the trailer for ITV too, I kind of go ah, it's like this is what it's come to, really. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I just. It's like you say they pay extreme. I mean, we had Razor Ruddock on, and he said, he said, because he's he was in the second series, I think, of The Jungle, and he said, I would do it again tomorrow for the amount ITV paid me to do it. Right. Yeah. But, you know, he just said it was strictly, you know, he didn't really think too much about it. I know someone who did it very, very shrewd, but I think Big Brother, very shrewdly. And it's the brilliant Scottish actor, James Cosmo. Yes. The other one that's in Game of Thrones, James. Mm -hmm. James basically went to Big Brother and didn't speak. Just sat very quietly in the corner. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. Really played the quiet man and sat. And he went up here kids' school fees. <laughs> and it's just like, wow. I'm too gobby. I'm a gobshite. I, I couldn't do it. I get involved, you know. But really, do I want to do those shows? No, I don't. I don't want to do them. I don't. I find I found 71 degrees north very harrowing. Because I'd done Adrenaline Junkie with Jack Osborne previous to that and loved it, absolutely relished it. Went to New Zealand, did the most dangerous things that were so exciting and thought 71 Degrees North would be the same. Yeah. Well, it wasn't at all. And I just went, oh, I just think I want to go home. Yeah. Really. I tried my hardest, you know. MasterChef was something I could do and I got booted out and I just, it broke me. I just thought my, my it, well, it was so, so ups- disappointing. Because it was like, people who know me know, oh, John's a great cook and all that. And it was kind of like there was a book on me to win. And it was like, my friend Simon Rimmer said, oh, you'd be great and all that. And... Sorry, it's put my charger off. <laughs> but it's pro rata yeah. as well. And I cancelled a lot of work to do it because I thought, okay, well, this will be all right. I'll, do, I'll go to the distance on this. I just went, oh, no. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So it's, it's a risk. A lot of those shows are pro rata, meaning, you know, you're paid per app. So the longer you stay in, the more you get paid, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's, that's it. Yeah. It's incentive. Uh, yeah, really. I remember the they were there was a, that massive. It kicked off one. Well, people were moaning about it because Noel Edmonds went in the jungle and he he went in late and he got paid ridiculous amounts of money and came out first. And he got paid like the, I think he got paid more than any of the 
even the person that won it and stuff. But I guess you know they got they were they were just so incensed on having Noel Edmonds on, they they paid through the nose to get him on. Funny you should say that. Me and Charlie Hickson were supposed to do a a a rally drive across Thailand and uh, Cambodia. Like uh, was it Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia in a classic car? And me and Charlie were going to do it. And I went, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Me and Charlie were going to do that that, that show. Because I just thought the scenery alone, you know, to get to do that, a bit hot, but you yeah. know. Anyway, uh, we said we agreed that day in the afternoon. They went, sorry, no. And I went, hang on, you've offered it to me and, and, and you've taken it away. You can't do that. And they went, I'm sorry, we've got some. Anyway, I found out it was no open. He's good <laughs> at it. He's good, isn't he? Clever, isn't he? Clever <laughs> yeah. lad, isn't he? That's what he's doing, I guess. Yes. I just thought, how can DJ have a helicopter? What? <laughs> yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Somebody who plays records on Radio 1 has got a helicopter. That's mad, yeah. You, you don't really think of someone going, pop a doodle doo mate, and uh, here, just coming into number nine is, you, and then you've got a helicopter. I just could never, never been able to fathom that. Yeah, no, no, never. Never. The secret wages of the BBC. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, were you surprised when Cold Feet made its second run, did its return? Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah. Could have been a car crash, totally. Mm. But it was, uh, I feel very blessed, very grateful that that was a huge success Yeah. again. Uh, we were to have gone uh, last, oh, i trying to get a timeline on things. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Was it 2020? I think 2020. Yeah, I think it was around, and it's the last. 2019, yeah, we did it. the last thing. Yeah. We did the last show, I think. Now, the plan was to do a summer special, a 90 minute special in Barcelona. Um, we were going to do a, an hour and a half show uh, set in Barcelona. It was all set up for it because they were in the camper van and the band were on tour and it was all going to go. And then um, the, the problem was the writer had been given two projects and he said, I can't work, I can't do both. You know, he, he, he was struggling. So uh, we just, and then the pandemic came and it uh, kind of, uh, that was it. It kind of, it, it dissolved. I'd like to think we come back, but uh, I just hope that it's not 13 years wait. <laughs> yeah. Like last time, you know, I was very surprised we did, you know, mm. but I, I was very, very hugely grateful that we did come back when we did. Because uh, it was a lifesaver. Because I just got divorced and I was a bit kind of like, hmm. I was still a bit shell shocked. And uh, it was just the thing I needed to to refocus my 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 my, my uh, life and and job and everything. So it was great. It was great. It was the timing of it couldn't been better. And I I, I thank the universe for sending it to me. <laughs> That's brilliant. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, John, it's been great talking to you today. Yeah, it's been great too. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Um, we're looking forward to. Well, maybe not in the jungle, but seeing you on some the cold feet. You see me on something. Yeah, I'll see you. I, 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 I don't mind it. You know, uh, do you know what I do love a game show? A game because yes. I'm very good at general knowledge. Yeah, and it, with the exception of coming fourteenth uh, on fifteen to one, Rufus Hound beat me just by a point, Oof. and second on Mastermind by a point to Stuart Lee. Yeah, I have won every game show known to the oh, in nice. the UK. So. And I've won an extraordinary amount for uh, charity as well. Yeah. And it beats, I'd rather do that than run a marathon. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the next game show that I, uh, nice. I'm going to do. Well, look for, I'm for you back in... on the chase soon. The chase, yeah. I do enjoy Yeah, the I chase. love that. You've had, um, I love the chase. We've had Sean, I've talked to Sean Wallace on this. And yeah, just incredible the knowledge that <laughs> he has. He like, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes he'd like ask, he'd like, so I was talking to him and he'd be like, oh yeah, I think that was then. And you're asking me, he's just like, am I right in thinking this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you are. He'll just like think, oh, I think it was around that time, wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I think you talk about history and stuff. So. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. <laughs> I'm sure you're Brilliant. right. Yeah. But, um, John, I look forward to seeing the shows. Thanks. And um, take care, all mate. The best to you. All the best. Cheers. So there you have it, guys. Uh, a wonderful chat there with um, John Thompson. 
um, yeah, I hope to keep in contact with him because he was just a really, a really nice guy to talk to. And uh, like, I mean, like you can hear, um, just open to talk about um, everything and anything. So, yeah, wonderful talking to John Thompson. Looking forward to see uh, what's next for him. Uh, be sure to find out what's next for us on our um, podcast journey and who we've got coming up for you. Be sure to keep us up. Um, be sure to keep up to date with us on um, our social media pages at. Um, shapes of stories on twitter at l 7 on twitter as well for my personal twitter account you can follow us on instagram under prestige books and my facebook page is shapes of stories and lawrence prestige but thanks for listening guys and i'll see you again next time